Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. As a teacher in the body of Christ and as a guide to many folk in the growth and development of their spiritual lives, I often come across this particular frustration within the body of Christ. They would say to me that they don't quite discern the speaking of God in their lives and what would be the next step or the direction that they should go. And a lot of folk testify that God is as it were, playing games with them, and he's just not giving them enough information, revelation, and light as to what he wants from them. And so a lot of folk feel as though God is just not a speaking God. When we get saved, we sort of just slug it out until he comes and gets us in due time. But there's certainly not this still small voice of God, this clear voice of God that says, this is the way, walk in it, turn to the left, turn to the right. And a lot of folk feel, if I could put words to it, they feel left out. They're left in the dark by this God who wants things from them, wants obedience from them, this God who wants to lead them but he just doesn't give them enough information. And it frustrates people. And perhaps you've been in that particular situation where you really just need to hear a clear word to the left or to the right, make this choice, don't make that choice. And somehow we feel as though God is just not coming clean with me. He is holding out on us. Well, that, of course, happened in the book of Genesis. You remember Genesis chapter 2, that God planted this garden in the east, and he put the man and the woman there to subdue and tend to that garden. And in verse 16 of Genesis 2, the Lord says, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. And in verse 16, you see how God gives plenty of information. You can eat of any tree in the garden and you can eat of it freely. This is by grace. This is the provision of of God. Have at it. And you see in verse 16, God gives a thumbs up and he gives a permission, as it were, to live in that garden and partake. That's a lot of information, if you will, just in one sentence. But then in verse 17... God, as it were, speaks a restrictive word. And of course, God is the the, the God of both the yes and the no. He has the right to give a thumbs up to something and a thumbs down to something. But here it is in verse 17. The Lord said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of that particular tree, you shall not eat thereof. Yeah, so God identifies the tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He puts a command next to it. You shall not eat of that tree. 
and then he gives an interpretation, or as we might call it, an explanation. And in verse 17, God says, because the day that you eat thereof in that day, I'm sure you can say this by now with me, in that day you will surely die. So there you have it. You've got the thumbs up of God, eat away. And you've got the thumbs down of God. Don't eat this particular tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, of course, there's an explanation. You will die. But then, of course, here comes the devil. And he tempts the man and the woman into believing that God is holding out on them. And so the man and the woman begins to believe that the information that God had given them is, is insufficient. And yeah, this happens to so many of the Lord's people. And as I have been with folk and we fellowship through the leading of God, um, I've, I've been so convinced that God does speak to, to folk. He's very clear with the thumbs up. He's very clear with the thumbs down. He's very permissive. He's very restrictive. And he is identifying exactly what they should do, where they should go, etc., etc., etc. But of course, the frustration comes with a God who is not an exhaustive concordance or an exhaustive Google search that spews out a billion different answers and explanations, a God who doesn't immediately give us the entirety of the answer, the big picture, and explain our whole life to us. It is frustrating to walk with a God who leads us by way of a cookie crumb at a time. I can imagine Abraham. How did that man process a God who just says, leave your father and your mother, your house, your land, and, and just go to the land that I will yet show you. I call that cookie crumb spirituality. God did not sit Abraham down and roll out a complete uh, exhaustive map of where he was going to go and what was going to happen. Bottom line is, um, God gave Abraham just enough information that he needed for that day, or let's say that week, or maybe even that month. If you remember in Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to go to the mountain that I will show you, and there go offer your son. And of course, if we read carefully, you'll see God did not clearly tell him on day one where the mountain was. It, The mountain became known through a process of three days. This is the place where Abraham was to offer his son Isaac. Abraham is called the father of the faith, the father of those who have faith in God. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus the Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Messiah, Paul says that we are, in a way, the children of Abraham. Not just the Jewish people, but as non-Jewish people, if we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, Abraham, in a way, becomes our father. That is, Abraham is a model of what walking with God is, is really all about. 
And so just like Abraham that lived by a kind of a cookie crumb spirituality, uh, if we're honest, that's the way God leads us. But the offense comes in probably because we are people of logic, people of cause and effect, people of the big picture, people that are of the West, let's say, that are information rich because we have encyclopedias and we've got uh, the, uh, the internet and we've just, we're used to an over a saturation of information. And a lot of the Lord's people cannot make peace with the fact that God is not going to saturate you um, with too much. He is clear. He is speaking. Uh, he does identify what tree, what place. But <laughs> the frustration is just you and I, we live in the flesh. And my flesh is just not comfortable with mystery. And so, beloved, this message, I want to encourage you that uh, of course, if you walk with God, um, there's going to be a lot of mystery involved. But God's not going to leave you in the dark and leave you hanging so as to concoct it up for yourself. God is going to be specific. He is leading. But can you trust the little bit that he gives to you at a time? Of course, a lot of uh, the Lord's people, I've often heard them say, and of course, they're quoting Jesus who said, before you build this tower, you got to consider the cost. Or before you go to war, you got to consider the cost. you got to have all the details and as it were, your ducks in a row so that you are of sound judgment in this tower or this war. And a lot of us take that passage and we say, okay, God, I can't go to this country or do this thing or let go of that thing or whatever the case would be, because I, I just don't have enough information to work with. I, I get what Jesus is saying, and I think we're taking it out of context just a little bit because my flesh is uncomfortable with mystery. And this is what this short message is all about. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's that you and I believe the lie that he hasn't spoken enough. Beloved, if you want to grow uh, into manhood in God and into womanhood in God, then you've got to get to that place where you don't despise the small things the small word, the small little cookie crumb, the small little bit of uh, uh, manna that you pick up from the desert floor. That is the word of God to you, and that is enough to bring you through today. If you could, yeah, if you could have courage to accept it as that. I hope this message uh, encourages you. And I hope it stirs you to thank God a little bit for the, the speaking, the leading. Um, his sheep should hear his voice. He is the shepherd that should lead you. And that frustration of his not speaking and not leading is, is I submit to you, it's not him. It's just you and I, people of the flesh, people of the West, 
people of logic and yeah beloved uh, be encouraged be challenged God deals with man, it's very precise, it's very emphatic, it's by way of an exclamation mark. Do not. Go. Stay. Yes. No. And you will see in your Christian life, you will wrestle with God, and He's not going to care to explain Himself a whole lot. He's just going to say, no. Yes. Come. Go. Speak. Quiet. And so I have come to know God as the emphatic speaking God. Let there be light. There was light. It's just the way it is with the Lord. There's not a lot of interpretation needed, a lot of explanation. When the Lord speaks in a clear and simple and precise way, it's not so we can argue with Him and be crybabies. But God, why? When He speaks, it's just, this is it. And He speaks in a short way, in a simple way, in a precise way to provoke you to faith. If God cares to explain Himself in everything, then you and I live more out of reason versus faith. And somehow you will see that there are going to be times, maybe all of the time, that God will explain Himself only later in your life. But right now, you need to be in faith. And I'm telling you, you've got to get used to this kind of Christian living because God is not going to like explain all the nine yards to you and then you go out and obey. Somehow, He says to Abraham, Leave! I'll show you where to go as you go. You can't steer a still-standing bicycle. Somehow... We have to walk it out. And your question is valid. You show me how to walk it out. I don't know. Time will show it to us how to walk it out. Right now, I'm in faith. Abraham, he didn't have entire, his entire life mapped out. He just took the first step in faith. And it's almost as though that God speaks to us in an emphatic way. And he wants an emphatic response. That response is faith. That response is obedience without interpretation. Again, I'm reminded of Abraham. The father speaks to him and says, Abraham, take your son. Your only son. The one whom you love. That one. And go to the place that I will show you and there present him as an offering to me. In Genesis 22, the biblical narrative does not state that Abraham had to fast over the issue, excessively pray into the issue, spiritually war into the issue. He just got up and began to walk in raw obedience based upon a strong command, go and offer and we see a man here. Now, I'm a father, and you will be in due time. 
If God asks such a task of you and I, would you and I not just think, Lord, explain yourself. Lord, just a little more detail can help right now. And somehow he doesn't. The details will come later. The interpretation, the explanation, all the clarity, it's coming. But right now, obedience. And your obedience, as it were, will walk you straight to the explanation. It's almost as though obedience becomes the explanation. So we see in Abraham such a lifestyle. And that, by the way, is the lifestyle of the Spirit. We don't have the entire Christian life mapped out. We walk this out one day at a time. And we walk it out in faith. We walk it out in faith. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling because we don't have all clarity, all knowledge. We know in part. We prophesy in part. I don't even know if I'll make it to tomorrow. That shakes me up. We work out this salvation through fear and trembling. And we hold on to one thing, faith. Again, not explanation, faith. Even Jesus hanging on that cross, for a moment there, He wants to go into this, Lord, explain yourself, syndrome. He's hanging on that cross. He says, God, why have you forsaken me? He is trying to dialogue with God on that cross by way of, please, can you interpret all of this to me? Can you explain all of this? God, where are you in all of this? That just shows you how human Jesus was. And this is the human tendency, is clarity, explanation, interpretation. The biblical record does not indicate that the Father even answered Jesus. Uh-uh. It was quiet. He hung there not because he had a clear interpretation and explanation. He hung there in obedience and in faith. You and I nowhere near come to a crucifixion and all we want is... God to explain Himself. Why? 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 And He doesn't. Because He needs you in faith. Somehow, this is the currency of God's economy. Now, faith obviously relates to your spirit. Faith is not something of the intellect. Reason belongs to the intellect. God speaks to the man, You shall not eat that tree. You're not going to live out of that dynamic. Trust me, you will die. Satan comes. Yeah. Really? Of course, Satan appeals to reason. And Satan proceeds to interpret. God's hiding from you. He knows you'll be like him and know everything and know what God knows. You'll have the same intellectual capacity God has. You need to read there into Genesis, Satan trying to give interpretation, explanation. And when he does that, 
Very soon, if you bite into that question, very soon it becomes a pure lie. Because Satan starts off, did God really say? The woman bites into that poison, takes that deception, and the next time Satan speaks, you won't die. And the woman just believes him. But I want you to notice something here. Yes, God speaks. And faith is to stir within you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Turn to Romans 10 and look at verse 17. Romans 10, so then, faith comes out of hearing and hearing out of the word of the Lord, the word of God. So you better believe God is a speaking God, emphatic, precise, and that speaking of God is to provoke faith, 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 without which no one can please God. Now, Satan also speak, but rather deceptively, did God really say? So what happens now with Satan speaking, faith is not provoked. What is provoked in us is a feeling like God is hiding something from me. What is provoked in me is a feeling like you're being cheated. You're being taken advantage of. It's like I'm missing out. When was the last time you missed out on something? That was not a happy feeling. God's hiding stuff from you, so the woman goes, by golly, I'll figure this out. So instead of just faith, the flesh is provoked. The flesh. Faith is something that relates to your spirit. The Word of God speaks, and it stirs faith in you. But in what realm of your being is that faith stirred? In your spirit. Amen? Satan speaks trickery, deception. And that poison is coming to your mind to analyze God, reason it out, figure it out. And instead of faith in your spirit, Spirit being stirred, your flesh is stirred. Your mind, your emotions, your will. next thing that happens in the flesh is that you become formulaic. 
That is mechanical. So what happens is, when you and I try to live this Christian life out of the self, out of the flesh, out of the mind, we try to live it out of our own imagination and what we think. We've already discussed what a grave mistake that is. Self-imposed worship. The thing that we all instantly come up with is a formulaic, mechanical approach to God. And this is something that I want to challenge in your walk with God. See, this woman, she's there at that tree. I'll just go ahead and take this tree, then I'll be like God. And she activates in her flesh. And she does things her way, according to her interpretation. And she comes up with her approach and her religion and her, yeah, formula. And her formula very quickly becomes a mechanical something that is of the self versus a spiritual life in faith. Now, here is the history then of religion. Those of us who live out of the flesh and live out of the self and live out of our imagination and live out of our own things we come up with, we are those who get caught up in this thing called religion. Those of us who live out of our spirit and we live by faith in the Son of God, we are those who live in this thing we call relationship. Those of us who live out of our flesh now, and we pursue this Christian life out of the flesh and the practices, and we try to be so religious and formulaic, mechanical, we end up pursuing the things of good, Our whole obsession becomes avoiding the things of evil. And in the whole process, we become self-righteous. This was the temptation, by the way, to the woman as well. Eat this fruit. Just take it. Then you'll be like God. You'll know everything the way God knows it. This is self-righteousness. Self-right. And what happens here is that when we become self-right, we don't really need God. Therefore, I'm independent. This is a life of independence. Distance from God. And my pursuit all day long is to pursue good, and to avoid evil. And the more good I do, the more good I feel. 
Of course, the more evil I do, <laughs> the worse I feel. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I just conquer the evil. Either way, I become self-righteous. It's a life in the flesh. Here, my obsession in faith, in a relationship with God, is I'm wholly regulated by God. I'm absolutely dependent on the Lord. I've got nothing to boast in because the power is not of me. It's entirely of God. I'm under the, the sway of God, the move of God, the breath of God, the timing of God. I'm completely in faith. I don't need a lot of explanation here. I just obey. I'm completely dependent on the Lord. A life in absolute relationship with the Lord. So now this becomes the two contrasting ways we can live. We can live in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, live by the indwelling Lord. Like Paul said, no longer I, but Christ. Amen? Or we can live in the flesh, even good flesh, religious flesh, flesh that can explain everything, flesh that knows everything, but still it's just flesh. Mm -hmm. 